Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. After listening to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. You can rate and review this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a one-time donation or a monthly donation by clicking the link on my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So this week, we are exploring how to show up for ourselves and for other people in difficult conversations. And I wanted to talk about this topic as I think it's one of those things that really deserves our awareness and our attention, but it's so often overlooked. And maybe we overlook it because we find ourselves completely overwhelmed during confrontations. And to examine our roles in these confrontations would bring up discomfort or anxiety. Maybe we overlook this topic because we are certain of our rightness, our opinions, our beliefs, our perceptions. Maybe we were taught that self-reflection makes you weak or it makes you vulnerable and we choose to live our lives on the offensive so as to ensure that we never have to play defense or, God forbid, admit that we're wrong. And maybe we've just never witnessed this type of behavior. Maybe no one has ever modeled it for us. Maybe no one ever talked about it. And somewhere along the way, we decided that everything that has helped us to survive in situations would automatically enable us to thrive. And maybe even with all of that, we still find something missing in our connections, our communications, or our confrontations with other people. Now, I am bringing up this topic during a really interesting time because currently all of pop culture, all of pop psychology is encouraging everyone to pathologize other people. So just think about all the social media you've looked at this week. How many memes and posts do you see per day, just per day, encouraging you to identify a narcissist in your life or to identify a gaslighter or to identify red flags in other people or maybe even a way to identify who is toxic? Now, I am sure that all of that has its time and place. And I really do think that to be able to identify abusive behaviors has probably helped a lot of people to also identify their boundaries and their self-worth. But without balance, without self-reflection, without a personal inventory or a personal accounting of 
what we bring to each situation or relationship, we're really just making everyone in our lives a target. And we're taking aim at them from a self-identified, exalted throne. So this episode is obviously not going to be about that. This episode is about showing up for those difficult conversations without weaponizing or pathologizing. This is about entering into complicated situations or really challenging conversations with humility and a deep awareness of what is within our power, along with tools for refocusing and cleaning up our side of the street. So to start with, let's break down what creates our perception. Admitting, just for a moment, that we are not always right. There are so many ways to interpret or address each situation, and to also acknowledge that we bring our experiences, our body, mind, and spirit to each interaction we have. I mean, how often have you had an experience in real time and you were certain of your perception, your thoughts, your feelings, what you said, and you reflect on it 5, 10, 15 years later, and you have a completely different perspective? Well, we have to learn from that, and we have to allow for that in every single interaction we have, maybe just loosening our grip on our certainty. So how do we take inventory in these moments? I always think that in order to take inventory of who we are, we need to reflect on the five E's that may be triggering our responses, our opinions, and our perception and communication. So what are the five E's? They are education, experience, evidence, emotions, and ego. Now there are positives and negatives associated with each of these. And generally, we find ourselves relying on a combination of several of them. So I want you to take a moment and consider which ones you reach for in moments of discomfort. Do you rely on education, whether that's formal or informal, learned and studied information? Do you rely on your lived experiences and the wisdom that has evolved within you over the years? Do you rely on evidence and facts that can stand up to scrutiny and questioning? Do you rely on your emotions, your feelings, and your intuitions, even though you know that they fluctuate? Or do you rely on your ego and the constant positioning of yourself as greater or less than something or someone? And once you have an idea of which combination of the ease that you rely on the most, take a moment to consider the benefits and liabilities of relying on them. How have they helped you? Not just to be right, but to be in right relationship with other people. Because there's a big difference between being able to connect and communicate with other people and separating yourself from them with grandiosity. And now also take a moment to think about how they might harm you, how these things may hold you back or cut you off from empathy and vulnerability with other people. 
And if you find that you're struggling with this self-reflection exercise, which I completely understand, it's not always easy to do and it doesn't always work the first time, I am going to teach you a trick. I want you to think about your experience with connection and disconnection, really concrete experiences from your own history. Now, whether these connections formed in your family, with your friends, with coworkers, or even romantic partners, I want you to look at what does the process of connection look like for me? What ingredients go into these connections? How do they layer? How long does it take? Then I want you to think about relationships that have disconnected, whether because you ended something or someone else did. What inspired the disconnection? What lines were crossed? What resentments came to the surface? What forced you to tell the truth about yourself or someone else? Now, these are simple practices, but they are not always easy. We may find that in our self-reflection, we actually realize that we rely heavily on our ego and our emotions and that it's really caused some premature disconnection or even rejection by other people. We might find that we rely on education and evidence and we cut ourselves off from a wide variety of emotional experiences with others. But whatever it is for each of us, this information is a key. It's a roadmap. And I always say this on this podcast that we should never use a piece of self-knowledge to beat ourselves up, to make ourselves smaller or more contracted. We should always use it to create options, to create expansiveness, and to find alternatives for ourselves. And if after listening to this episode, you find yourself reaching for a different tool during an intense altercation and maybe creating the option of a different outcome for yourself, then that's incredible. That's all that this is meant to do because that's an example of exchanging rigidity for grace and creating opportunities for expansion and growth for ourselves. And honestly, what else are we here to do? Are we here to be right? Or are we here to grow and evolve? And I mention growth because so often we do get so contracted and we get way too used to our tools. We become way too dependent on them. And we use those tools to create a story about ourselves and about other people. And we do this to bring order to chaos. And we tell ourselves we do this because we are right. But really it's about exerting control over out of control feelings or experiences. And instead we create this story to comfort ourselves and to self-soothe. And since we've been the ones narrating these stories to ourselves for our entire lives, our voice is very convincing. Some of the most convincing stories that we tell ourselves are, you know, if I don't know what's happening, then something must be wrong. Or if I don't know how this other person feels or what they're going to do next or what they're going to say, 
then they must be wrong and I must be in danger. And if you're feeling lost about your own story and you're not really sure what it sounds like, another way to look at this is to ask ourselves some questions. And I would start with the following. How does my need to be right, my need to control or dominate situations or other people, how does that shape my communication and my ability to create safe connections? How has my hypervigilance saved me in the past? But also, what has my hypervigilance stolen from me? What has it prevented me from accessing or receiving? What am I missing out on due to my reliance on hypervigilance? How has my strong identification with being the voice of truth or morality colliding with harmful grandiosity? And how is that a perfect storm for disconnection? How is this a way for me to self-sabotage and to keep others at a distance? How much time do I waste gathering evidence to build cases against other people versus time I spend creating genuine connections? Do I look for other people's strengths and contributions or do I search for their failings and their weaknesses? And finally, a really important question is, how often am I creating I gotcha interactions? So an I gotcha situation is something that creates a false sense of power and superiority, and it's designed to entrap others into discrediting themselves. Now, the really interesting aspect of these kinds of interactions, these traps, is that we are seeking to cast others in an unfavorable light. And we may be right. We may be right about them because here we are dealing with flawed humans who make mistakes and sometimes do the wrong things and cannot possibly be perfect 100% of the time. And we can tell ourselves, see, I caught that person. I was right. They made a mistake. And then I can get high on feeling justified when really we are just separating ourselves from someone exactly like us. And we're doing this to create otherness, to create a feeling of control, to feel a little bit superior and a little bit separate. But on the other hand, there's also this belief that whatever we're looking for, we will most likely find. And if the basis of our communications is to gather evidence and create that otherness or that separation, whether that's in moments of tenderness and connection or in moments of combative communication, like during a confrontation, then we will always get what we're looking for. And in these moments, it's important to look at our principles versus our so-called good motives or our good intentions. Just think how many relationships have been annihilated based on our good motives? How many boundaries have been crossed based on our best intentions? 
And I think it's something to think about because we can find ourselves so easily justifying and rationalizing these things to ourselves instead of calling ourselves back home to our principles and deciding what lines we would never cross, no matter what someone else is doing, and only holding ourselves accountable for what we are doing. A long time ago, my friend Dan told me, if you're explaining something, if you're defending something, if you're justifying something, or if you're rationalizing something, just know that you're wrong because you never have to explain, defend, justify, or rationalize what's right. And I've always found that perspective to be extremely helpful in creating healthy relationships with myself and with other people. And then, you know, let's go back to what I mentioned earlier. None of this is aimed at beating ourselves up. If you have identified with a lot of what I've discussed in this episode, it's really important to be gentle with yourself and maybe just change how you look at these parts of yourself because we can instantly decide that this is horrible and we want to punish ourselves or we want to run away from these parts of ourselves because the reality is these are simply coping mechanisms that have gone astray. Over time, they began to distort and what we used to protect ourselves became a weapon that we swung at the world. But we always have the option to sheathe our swords and try something new. And if you're listening to this podcast, I bet that you have that within you. I bet that you're open to trying something new. If your old story was that you had to be the voice of truth, even if that meant cutting others down or that you had to live in attack mode. Maybe your new story could be something like, I have some deep fears that my needs won't be met, or I am afraid of rejection, or I am afraid that someone will harm me, so I create fearful situations so that other people won't trust me. Or maybe you're just really scared that someone else might see you might see the real you, all of you, the parts of you that even you reject from yourself, and you're scared that they're going to do it as well. You know, there are so many layers to this work. One podcast episode will not fix everything or change everything, but what it is is an invitation to reflect on who we are and what we bring to situations instead of hyper-fixating on things that are out of our control. Because let's be honest, it's intoxicating to focus on other people because we can't do anything about it. If we bring the focus back to center, if we focus on ourselves, if we work on us, if we regularly keep our side of the street clean, we would be too busy, too busy creating change and connection to point fingers at anyone else. And when it comes to other people, all we have to do is show up and regularly walk ourselves back to a position of neutrality. Every time the story starts brewing in our heads, I mean, how many times a day does that happen? And we find ourselves clocking what someone else is doing or gathering evidence or laying traps. We can actually pause, literally pause, stop what we are doing, and course correct. 
because monitoring other people creates a false sense of safety and it destroys any chance of connection. And by pausing, taking alternative actions, bringing the focus back to ourselves, we are actually engaging in loving detachment. And the same goes for when other people do this to us, when they monitor us, when they can only see us through a distorted perception, or even when they purposefully misunderstand us or they lay traps for us. Loving detachment says, I am only responsible for what I say, for what I do, for what I bring to the situation. And I am not responsible for how anyone else chooses to interpret it, misinterpret it, or weaponize it. And when you think about it, even misunderstanding offers us some incredible lessons. And when we allow others to misunderstand us, or to meet us from their current level of maturity, communication, and perception, we are actually treating them with respect. Sometimes we go so far out of our way to overcompensate and control or even prevent someone from experiencing the consequences of their actions, their resistance, their decisions, or their commitment to misunderstanding us. And when we do that, we take something away from them. We don't allow them the process of coming to awareness or to change and to grow on their own or to create a strong foundation of personal wisdom. And if all else fails, if some of these seem too difficult right now or you don't really feel safe introducing these practices into your life, I will always encourage you to just create more space in your life. Take pauses, create pauses, give yourself space to process things, give yourself the opportunity to self-regulate and self-assess. You know, 12-step programs often talk about restraint of pen and tongue. And what does that mean? That means not saying the first thing that comes to mind and just annihilating someone because you feel like you can. It's not sending that horrible email that's going to change your life when you're full of emotion or not firing off that text message or that DM or writing that rage comment. It's about allowing ourselves to pause in moments of discomfort and recognizing that sometimes this is what has saved our relationships. These pauses have saved our jobs. They have saved our reputations and our standing in communities. Because by pausing in moments of conflict, we are engaging and inviting and moving in humility. And we are proving that we honor ourselves enough to allow for more options to present themselves. Well, I hope this episode resonated with you today. And until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Before closing out of this episode, take a moment to rate and review this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.